Since the, since the uh, shul began, we've been zaycheh to learn many, many hundreds, thousands of hours of chesidus together, different svarim. In the early years, in the early years, we learned about the lives of different tzaddikim, and then we would spend a few months learning the svarim or the sefer of that tzaddik. See this zmaim she'en lahem soif, endless, endless waters that give life and prepare us for Mashiach Sekeinu. There needs to be a little bit of a hakdama. My intention, my intention in Yitzhak Shemadish Yerim is to try as much as possible to learn together sugyas and chasidas. Not a particular sefer, although we'll be learning swarm inside, mitzvah but to try to learn some of the major, some of the major sugyas and chasidas to have more of a systematic understanding of Torah Shabbal Shem. Be'etzim, you know, that there is no shita or sefer that is written with the exception of Tanya. And Tanya itself is Rosh Prakim. All of the Nesim of Chabad and Alter Rabbi himself had long Jerusalem and Hasidus to expound upon the basic Yesidus that are found in Tanya. But one needs to understand, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit later on, not today, but one needs to understand that, by definition, chesidus hiloshitati. Chesidus, by definition, is divre elokim chayim. Divre elokim chayim, the words of the living God. It's not a philosophical system it's not structured in the way of a system of thought. And if there is any sheet at all in Hasidus, one could say it's a hisnagdis to any sheet. If there's a sheet in Hasidus, it says that there's no sheet in Hasidus. This itself will understand, Mitzvah Hashem, as we go along. Why is it? Why is this? Why is this? It's not Khalila. It's not because of Hefkeris. It's not that the G'dayli HaChasidus did not think systematically and there wasn't a method and a Mahalach to Hasidus. 
But that itself, the fact that it's Divir Lekim Chaim, even the way that the Tzaddikim would say Torah, that for the most part, the Torah was taught in such a way where it was spontaneous. There was a Hiskalus of Elokus. It was Me'in Maimon Hasinai, when you would be by the Tzaddikim, to be by Rabbi Nachman, to be by the Rabbi Abunim and so on. There was a Hiskalus of Elokus. Rabbi Nachman, he would stop in the middle of the street, as you know. He would stop in the middle of the street, and, and, and they knew something was going on, and then people would start to gather around it. The Gaborim used to go scream that the Rebbe sang Torah, and then he would begin to say Torah. It wasn't a prepared, they were not prepared shirim or lectures. It was his galus of Divrei Elikim Chaim. But that makes it very difficult to learn. It makes it very, very difficult to learn. I was sharing with some of the Chavra the other day, the excitement when the Nesiva Shalom first came out, what that meant to us, us meaning the, the guys that were that were trying to figure out some things and to learn some things in Hasidus, and until then we didn't have a Sefer like that that spoke to us in a direct and simple way, in a very, very clear way about some of the basics of Hasidus, and who arranged it topically in the first Chalikif Nesiva Shalom. I've never seen anything like that. That's also not the sheet of Hasidus. When a person looks into Sifre Hasidus, he sees that the topics, the sugyas, are many. Hasidus grapples with the subject of Amuna, of Ahavaz Hashem, of Yirz Hashem. Simcha umarirus, joy and bitterness, sadness, kaiches anefesh, and so on. Now the truth is that all of the svarim before the arrival of the Balshamtiv Akodish are Isaac are involved are addressing the same sugis. All of the svarim are addressing the same these same inyanim. So the question we're going to be working on over the next over the next few months is Ma Hasidis. What is the Khidish of Hasidis? Because one thing is clear that ever since the light of the Balshamtav entered into this world, the Erech two hundred and fifty years ago, everything is different. And that Hasidus created a nutsuris ha'adam, the nutsur of a Jew, which you cannot you cannot understand by by taking a walk through through Williamsburg, Borough Park, Muncie, Monroe, or Yushalayim, or Bnei Brak, and so on. And not only that, but as a result of the appearance of the light of the Balsham, those who are not Hasidim, the Misnagdim, the Maskilim, had to redefine in all Jews, even to this day. And again, I'm going to explain all of this. Today is a little bit just Roshe Prakim and a little bit historical background. I don't usually do that, but there has to be a psicha to get a sense of where, of where we're coming from or where this <coughs> is happening, when this is happening. But Yiddishkeit had to had to redefine itself in light 
of the challenge that the Balshantov Akkadish was making. And therefore, we need to understand that Chasidis is not what the what in the universities they call a historical phenomena of some sort, or some others write some some great cultural, social cultural movement. Chasidis is nothing less than a mahapecha. A mahapecha, from the word lahafoch, a mahapecha means a revolution. That's how they translate it into English. But the, the, the English translation mahapecha is not accurate. Everything, everything was turned upside down, inside out, a revolution. Let me explain. <coughs> every mahapecha, and this is a little bit, I, I'm assuming that everybody here is familiar with the history and has studied this and has learned the uh, the context, but it's important a little bit a little bit by way of Hakdama to understand that every mahapecha, every revolution has four shlavim. There are four stages in every revolution. Aleph, the beginning of a revolution or the hisayrus, the awakening of a revolution is when a person or a group of people identify that they're living in a crisis, that there's some terrible, terrible crisis, and that that because they're living in that crisis and they can't go on living in that crisis, there's a tremendous demand for a change, for some change to take place. And these individuals, or the great individual, prepare themselves to try to find some sort of a solution to the crisis that they're in. That's the first stage of a revolution. That hakara, the recognition of the mitzuka, of the crisis, of the mashaber, that something is terribly, terribly missed, something is terribly wrong, and has become unbearable, intolerable, and there needs to be change. That's Aleph. The second shlav, the second stage of a revolution, is when the group, the individual, the group, begin to formulate, begin to formulate a mahalach, an alternative to what was, some sort of a plan to resolve the crisis, to change the status quo, to turn things around. That's the second shlav. The third shlav is to somehow begin to apply and to put into practice that solution that has been devised, and it has to be a solution because it's not enough just to reject or to criticize, to critique the present of Matzav. L'havdal elef alfei havdalas. To be at the time of the American Revolution, to be among those in the colonies at that time, and to krechts about England, and to criticize, and there was much to criticize about what was happening here in America <laughs> in those years, without offering a solution, which was Lamaisa, 
obviously, the people who lived here in America at that time, the people who lived in America at that time were desperate for change. And it was not enough. It was not enough for the leaders of the revolution to to suggest theories, to merely suggest theories, and to criticize what was. There needs to be a practical mahalach, a solution. And without that, without that, and without a means of carrying it out, b'poal, all of the all of the critiquing, all of the tainas, all of the ideas, theories, and plans cannot possibly last. This goes on all the time. These these shlavim are universal shlavim in any revolution. And then finally, the last shlav. These correspond to the Shem Havai Baruch Hu Yukev Havkev. I'm not going to go through that right now. The final, the final shlav of a Mahapecha is Shmiras HaMahapecha Ladaris. Shmiras HaMahapecha Ladaris means that there must be Talmidim Mamshichim. There must be a means of continuing with the new Mahalach with the revolutionary Mahalach, through great Talmidim students and Mamshichim who will continue. A Mahapecha that's, that's for one generation is not a Mahapecha. The, cha- the change that takes place n- needs to be emesdik, and udvarach amalkenu emes v'kayim la'ad. And when something is emes, it's a bar kayama. It endures. It lasts. It continues. These are the four shlavim of every revolution. So now let's take a look at Chasidus. Number one, and we'll talk about each of these in a minute. Number one, Chasidus identified the crisis that Am Yisrael was in. Not a crisis, the crisis the historical <clears throat> crisis of Am Yisrael approaching the end of time. Chassidus identified the mitzuka, the mashber, the problem. Aleph, Beis, Chassidus proposed a tochnit, a plan, a solution to the mitzuka, to the crisis. Three, Chassidus and the early Talmud Shem set out with a practical mahalach, halach lemaisa, to resolve the crisis. And for Chesidus was ma'amid Talmidim and Talmidim l'derisayim, extraordinary, extraordinary, unusual, remarkable, remarkable tzaddikim, loma al-mahadeng who were not of their time, who were from a different time, who Hashem Yisbarach sent into the world, to see to it that this derech of the Mahapecha, that this Mahalach of the Baal Shem Tev, would continue and would burn until the end of time. 
so the question is, what is the mitz- What was the mitzvah? What was the crisis? What was the world like? when the soul of the Balshamtav descended. What was the world like, our world, what was it like? What was the numitsiyas that was created as a result of the Mahapecha? The Mitsuka, the crisis is very, very clear. And, and here again, I'm not going to be Maruch because I, I, I'm just reviewing something that I know that you're all familiar with. When the Balshamtav Kadesh came into this world, talking about the beginning of the 18th century at that time, <coughs> a tremendous, tremendous piece of Am Yisrael in Europe. Of course, we're not talking about uh, by the Svadim. What was happening there was very much related to what was happening in in Eastern Europe. But we're talking now about Europe in the Europe in the eighteenth century. There were two it's the the way that I don't like to use this word because because it's overused and inappropriately used, but there were two shows, there were two Khurbanis that were taking place. At that time, one was a Shah Gashmis, a physical, a physical Churban, and the other is a Ruchnistik Churban. As far as the Gashmis is concerned, we're talking about right after the Gzairs of Tachvetat, 25%, a quarter of the Jewish population of Poland, of Lita, 25% of the population was wiped out. The <clears throat> there wasn't a house, there wasn't a family that hadn't experienced somehow loss. There were shtetlach, villages and larger towns, cities that were populated by Almonas and Yisayna. <coughs> by widows, by orphans, tens of thousands <coughs> more of girls and women, I'm sorry to say, raped, bizyonas, the, the state of Am in Gashmias was the lowest it had been since what we learned in Eicha. There's no question. The hashpala, the degradation, The simple undermining of ancient kehilas, and you all know that all of this was taking place as a f- as a, a preface, an appetizer for what was to follow which was the terrible, terrible failure and disappointment of the false Mashiach, of Shabzai Tzvi Yemach Shema, where after all of the misery and suffering, there was this individual who had tremendous kaychas. This individual who came and understood in his greatness, 
he understood how to take advantage of the shiflus, of the namichus ruach, of the bizyoinus, of the lowered state and mood, the matzav ruach of Am Yisrael. And you know that even though it's hard for us from Tavshin Ay and Hay, from our, from our place and time, it's hard for us to understand this. But taking into account what, what Am Yisrael was living through at that time, it's understandable that thousands and thousands and hundreds of and hundreds of thousands more Ube Nehem and amongst them some of the greatest Talmud Chacham of the generation. We're not talking about Talmud Chacham who know how to use a computer, you understand. Meaning people who know how to write Swarm because they're able to Google or whatever. We're talking about Talmud Chacham from 350, 400 years ago. World class who were seduced by that movement of Shabsai Tzvi Yamach Shemal, by that cat, that cult of Shabsai Tzvi, who was offering Am Yisrael, Nechama, Nechama, and Tikva and hope. And as you all know, the way that it ended, the Achzova, the disappointment, Shabsai Tzvi Yamach Shemal, would convert to Islam. A Mashiach Sheker, false Mashiach. The reverberations of that failure, of that delusion of Shabbat Your conference has expired. Thank you for using this service. Thank you for using... The, the reverberations are felt ad hayom. Ad hayom. Not that there are posters up about Shabbat and not that anybody cares about Shabbat and it could be that the kids nowadays in Cheda never heard of them but the reverberations are being felt at Hayom to this day. There were still actual followers of Shabbat Tzvi in Europe till really till World War I, till that time of World War I, and perhaps even beyond. That's not for now. But the reverberations <coughs> are felt at Hayom. The impact the dis- of that disappointment, of that failure that brought, <coughs> that brought unbearable, unbearable misery in Ruchnius, to a people who already had been beaten physically, the reverberations are being felt. If you look in any Jewish newspaper, just read the advertisements, it's all because of Shabbat A lot of the emptiness, the shidchis, the shallowness, the hopelessness that many people feel, the inability to speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a personal or real way, the reverberations are being felt at Hayom. So as far as the crisis is concerned, the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh got it. The Mizrach HaMagid, the Taldas, the early Talmidim, the Degel, all of the Sadiqim who were nurtured by the Baal Shem HaKadosh, they understood exactly what the problem was. They identified, they identified the crisis. That time of the Baal Shem had become Jewish life had become in Europe mamish unbearable as far as the goof was concerned the body again without going into any of the protein those of you who are familiar with the restrictions that 
the Jewish people lived under, as far as Parnassus is concerned, the way that we lived in Europe at that time. So the goof, the body of, of the Jew was dying of starvation, just starvation, just to survive. It was, it was almost impossible to survive. The conditions, the restrictions, the gzairas of, 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 of the sonim, of our enemies, made life impossible, as far as the goof was concerned. As far as the Ruach was concerned, we were empty. The the disappointment, the failure of Shabzai Tzvi, and what happened, the aftermath of that, the dryness, the hopelessness, we were exhausted. We were spiritually exhausted. There was such a high that we were that we were on during that time of the of the delusion. And the crash after Shabzai Tzvi emptied us out. Simply emptied out Am Yisrael. You have to realize, to understand that, is, that, the, that a significant percentage, if not the majority of Jews, and this already stretched over, of course, to Saradisha countries as well, who did not have an easy life, were packing their bags. Were mamish packing their bags. Is before there was Nefesh Benefesh, and before there was Ramat Beit Shemesh, you understand, before there was Café Rimona. Packing the bigs. Packing the bigs. But packing the bigs not only not only in Gashmis, but packing the bigs in Ruchnis, a nation that was revived with the hope that finally, finally Hashem had remembered them. And then suddenly, like the Odomal says in the Zasan, you lifted me up at Hashlicheni, and then you threw me down, Mamish. How could Hashem have done such a thing to us? How did Hashem allow us to be to become so to become so filled with hope and to, and to believe that the time had come for the fulfillment for all of the prophecies for all of the voice and then the Mashiach himself converted to Islam? It's impossible for us to understand that. So in, in Gashmias we were on the brink of despair, and in Ruchnias. And Ruchnias were empty. Empty. <clears throat> the typical Jew at that time, and this will sound very, very odd to us, the typical Jew at that time was illiterate. Now we know that we're an Am Chacham Avang, that we're very intelligent people. Intelligence is not the issue. The Mitzvah was that because of that because of work and because of the conditions of life, most Jews at that time could not read or write. The simplest halachas. We're not talking here about. We're not talking about ktsaiser and the sevas. The average Jew at that time had bechlal no no knowledge other than what they saw by their parents doing certain things. The Amaratis, the ignorance, was was <coughs> absolutely was absolutely mind boggling. There was nothing there was nothing like a Chayadim, a Kitshachanarach, which already was a Madrega, it's a total Madrega that to try to help Jews have a little bit of a knowledge of halacha. Now, at the same time, 
at the same time, there were huge Talmud Chachamim. Rabbanim, Rabbanim who would put the, the present-day Rabbanim to absolute shame in terms of their knowledge of Torah. And the Yidin, the Jews of that time, obviously turned, as we always do, to our leaders for Chizik, for Torah. The failure, Mitzad, the Rabbanim of that time, I think could only be compared to the failure that took place over here in America during the time of the Holocaust. It's not fair for people like us to ever criticize, because we would have probably done the same thing. I was reading, I was reading last night something from the Klosenberger, from a Joshua of the Klosenberger, who oftentimes, who oftentimes would speak about the horror that he felt when he came to America. You know that the Klosenberger traveled when he was in the DP camps. He, he went to Europe and he came to America to try to raise money for the survivors back, still back in Europe and to get tzitzes and to get tefillin and to, he came, he was traveling, he went back and he said that he couldn't believe he saw like invitations to weddings from 1943 and and by mitzvahs and things like that and, and he said when he came here, he said he, he came to America, it seemed to him that the Jews here in America had no musak of what they had just been through of what happened in Europe not just that they didn't know the facts for that perhaps they couldn't be blamed entirely he, he couldn't find he said a hergish a feeling of empathy he couldn't believe that Jews were he said the Jews he said were going to miss Hakim they were going to watch baseball games while we were sitting in Auschwitz and in Treblinka he doesn't know how Jews were able to eat and to and to live, even if they knew a little bit of what we were experiencing. There was a tremendous failure here. There were notable exceptions, great Sadiqim, who did whatever they could. The most heroic person was, of course, not from America. That was Rabbi Chol Ber Weissman, That's an amazing parasha of the nature of Rabbaran when he got here, there were great heroes in that, in that picture of post-Holocaust, Hatzalah, during the Holocaust, after the Holocaust. But looking back, and it becomes more and more uh, apparent every day, there was a tremendous, tremendous, unbelievable failure on the part of the leadership for whatever reason. At the time of the Baal Shem Tov, and we see this very clearly, especially from the writings of Toldus Yaakov Yosef. We're not going to be Isaac in this because that's not the tachlis of what we're learning, but to get a sense of how the Rabbanim, geniuses, geniuses, and Sadiq, much greater people than we could ever imagine, were completely and totally detached from the Hamayin Am were completely disconnected from the average, typical little Jew who was struggling by the pirates. 
the typical Jew who was miserable in his physical poverty and his spiritual poverty. If there was any kesher at all, if there was any connection at all between the leaders and the people, it was through the rebuke, through the musr, that would take place on a regular basis. When simple Jews would come to shul, would come to shul, and Shabbos after Shabbos, it was just a nace that in those days, Rabbanu did not darshan every Shabbos, as you know. That's a relatively recent innovation that causes me a great deal of misery. <laughs> and you as well. <laughs> but that's a relatively recent innovation, the weekly drasha. You look in the Chassam Seifer, Teres Maisha was not because the Chassam Seifer was getting up every Shabbos. My father told me that in Europe the, the drasha was the Shabbos Shuvah, the Shabbos Agodal, there were certain times, I know, there were certain times where there were drashas. Not every Shabbos. There were Magidim that were traveling from place to place. and uh, We'd get up and say Drushes on Shabbos. It's different Shabbos, there were times. Different cities had different commemorations of things. And they would have Rabbanim and Magidim say Drushes. But the theme of the Drushes at that time, as we see from many studies that have been made, and this is all, this is all recorded, the general theme uh, the, uh, of the drushes and what the Rabbanu would speak about was to turn to the Hamarin Am and say, Atem geramtem lanu is kol You are the cause of all of this misery. Aleph, the women are not dressing properly. Bez, Bez, you're not learning enough Torah. They think they don't, have, they don't know how to read Ivra. <laughs> because they're not being taught. Because the Rabbanu was sitting with their, with their Talmidim locked up in the in the Besam Hadrush. And all the other all the other Khisainas in Yashamaim, Vakulu Vakul Vakulu. So Jews came to Shul who were ready Tsibrachan because they were beaten during the week by the pirates and the pirates' uh, children. And they came they came to Shul on Shabbos or Yantiv hoping for episode a little bit maybe, you know, not the Shlomakalabach hug. But maybe a kind word, maybe a word of hysteris, of hope. Look at the drushes from those times. They consisted completely of pilpulim that were totally meaningless to the typical Jew who didn't understand them at all. You might recall, uh, I remember the first, the first CMS Shas that I went to. I took students of mine from school, and I built it up so much for the students because there, many of them, they, none of them came from religious homes, and this is an amazing thing. And at that time, I brought them, to, and I was able to go. My Rebbe was sitting up there, and I was able to bring them to introduce them to big tzaddikim and so on. And subsequently, there were one or two talks in, in English a little bit. This is uh, not so long ago. We're talking about thirty years ago, thirty years, whatever it was. And <clears throat> then there were brilliant old rabbanim who got up and said, "Pilpul." You might, you might remember. They're trying to, they're trying to fight against this very much by each simashas. But even two simashas, there was a very, very big tzaddik. I don't want to say Chasum's name because he's a, a very precious Jew, and he got up. He was supposed to talk for eight minutes, and he and he gave a pilpul in halacha in Gemara for around a half hour. He had an opportunity to speak because he's trying to understand how could this be? There was an opportunity to speak. You had it that place even at that time, which is a siyum whatever twenty years ago. They were ready. 
thousands of thousands. It was already take. They had to take out a big place. I think it was in the garden. Totally useless, Joshua. Fantastic pilpul that was enjoyed by whoever sat up there for whom it was given. Even at, at any of these ga- gatherings that we have of Gedolim, there are a few, usually the ones who are not big Tamechechamim, who get it and speak directly to the people. But for the most part, the ones who are the geniuses are saying Pilpulim that are completely irrelevant as far as the Hamaynam, beautiful as far as the Mishav Tamatar is concerned, and should be taught to their Talmudim and the Vishamadrish. But not in, in City Field or in wherever they do these things. To try to get a little bit of a sense of how is it possible there could be such a disconnect. Such a disconnect. But it was worse than a disconnect. The average Jew felt that he was at fault for the misery. He was at fault for the poverty. It was, it was the fault of the Hamayin Am. Because of their because of their laxness in observance of certain mitzvahs, you'll see this nowadays as well. That Lolein, whenever there's a tsara, there will always be those who start plastering all over Yerushalayim and Bnei Brak that it's it's because of the it's because of the, the, this or because of that, and and the the reason that there the reason that there are, that there are so many things going on is because you know there's the anti-internet, there's the anti you know the clothing and the all of the all of the uh, explainers of tsaras, like the survivors of the Holocaust, had to hear that that how did you survive? You survived. You should know that your generation are the ones who brought the Holocaust. So after after surviving, losing everything, and coming out of the concentration camp, so then the, those survivors came to America, to England, to the States, and then they fight that they continued to hear rabbis blaming them for the Holocaust while expressing some sympathy, but blaming them for the Holocaust, very little sympathy, mostly blaming them for the Holocaust, the ones who suffered the Holocaust, while the Americans were here, while the Rabbanim here in America were having their hot dogs and going to, going to Coney Island. But the survivors after the war were the ones who were to blame. So as far as, as, far as the Rabbanim were concerned, they themselves were the Makar, of more suffering. The ones who the Jewish people always look to. We always look to our leaders. We always look to the Rabbanim for help, for guidance. So the Hamayin Am not only did not receive help and guidance, but was beaten further by the leadership. It's impossible to paint a picture because if it was a painting, it would just be black. And that was the blackness into which Hashem <coughs> brought the light of the seven days of creation, the Holy Balshemtiv. <coughs> the light of Mashiach. Why is it that Hashem allowed the darkness for such a long time? That's something that we don't talk about, we don't understand. But we know that something happened in the year 
to machlokes. Strange how you could have machlokes like this, but students of history know that they're very common. It's machlokes whether Balshanta was born by the non-Jewish calendar in 1698 or in 1700. For years, there was a machlokes about the, vill- the village. You can't call it a village where he was born. It wasn't. A, it doesn't. It's not worthy of the name a village. A village. remember when I was growing up, so I always heard the names of certain towns, places, cities that my parents would talk about. And they were, they were together with their friends, they would talk about these places. So I remember there was a place, Beriksas. In Hungary, there was a place, Beriksas. And I, it came up a lot, the name Beriksas, because apparently my mother had a cousin there, my father also had a cousin, Beriksas. So to me, it, it sounded like it must have been like London or Paris. So I asked my father once, Daddy, what was it like in Beriksas? I mean, I, I, I was so impressed, because I, I always heard them talking in Hungarian or in Yiddish or whatever, but there's always barracks, barracks. So I said, what was this place? My father said, you know, one end of the horse was inside of the barracks, <laughs> and the other side of the horse was outside. <laughs> so the Balsantov Akadosh was born in a place, Alkop. Until recently, there was Machloikis by the scholars, whether it really existed, now we know that it, did, it, it, it is on the map. It, it did exist. The Fidik Rebbe from Lubavitch had whole schmooze that Akkop is, I don't know, in Ukrainian or Russian, I once spoke about it, is from the word trench, like a trench. And he gave a whole tyrant chesidus about the Balshamtiv in the trench of Akkop, 1698 or 1700, it's not clear. The Balshamtiv's life is clearly divided into two parts. Again, I'm not going to go into a biography. Many years ago, we had uh, we had there was Shiurim on the Baal Shem Tov, and uh, there was more of the uh, more of a discussion of the Pratim that we know of his life. Since then, there's some very important svarim that have been written, and some important work in academia as well on the part of serious and even God-fearing people about the Baal Shem Tov's life. And that's not the Tachlis either, but it's clear that the Baal Shem Tov's life is divided into two parts. In the language of Chassidus and Kabbalah, we could say that the two parts of the Balshamta's life were Sosim and Galia, the hidden part of his life and the revealed part of his life. Hester and his Galas, till he was 36 years old, so we don't know, is that, is that 1734, 1736? Depends. If you pass that he was born in 1698 or in 1700. But we know that, we know that it changed when he was 36 years old. That we do know. Until he was 36, he was Paul Besaysa. He was, he was hidden. But so hidden that his own brother-in-law um, was horrified at the marriage of his sister, Reb Gershon Kittifer. was horrified that his sister would marry such an ignoramus, such a person as Srulik, as he saw, Balshamtiv. That's how hidden he was. From Shuas, which would later on, of course, be his yard site, from Shuas of that year, 1734, he began to be poil, that's when Hashem gave his shoes, and it became known to him. Again, I'm not going through the stories of how that happened, what took place by the Hezgalus of the Bolshev, which Rebbe was part of. But from that time of Shuas, when he was 36 years old, the Hezgalus of the Ur, of the light of the seven days of creation of the, of the Mashiach, the beginning of the end was revealed. And in a very short time, there were many Talmidim 
amongst whom were great, great Goinim. We're going to be talking about some of them. And the Mahapecha, <coughs> the Mahapecha began. The revolution began. The Balshamta Vakodish lived only uh, so long to be to establish some of the Yesidas to those Talmidim, to bring about to clarify some of the Yesidas of Hasidis, the Rashiprakim of Hasidis to the Talmidim, to the students. Through those Talmidim, the Mr. Shamagid, the Taldas, the writings of his of the Balsham's grandson, the Delgamach Nefraim and others. It began to be midgabesh. It began to take shape and form. But not only in theory, but as a practical plan. A practical plan, a mahalach. Because the revolution must have a practical mahalach. And the Talmidim, the Talmidim began to teach. This plan, which we're going to be learning about. This plan, this mahalach. Not only to great scholars, but going from place to place. This would begin in earnest by the Mizucha Magid, and following the Mizucha Magid, the, the great Talmud of the Mizucha Magid, the Beditsha of the Kosh Magid, the Aflo, the Rebbe Pshmelke, the Balatanya, and so on and so forth. The mahalach was beginning to beginning to be spread and taught. The only document, the, the only absolute authentic document that we have in the Ksavyad of the Balshamtev, as you know, I'm sure you know, is the Igeris Aliyas Hanasham, which we're going to be learning inside because if we don't learn that, we can't understand what, what would happen, what happened afterwards. All of Chassidus needs to be understood in light of this letter that we're going to begin to read. I don't know if we'll start now, in a minute. That's the only authentic document that we have, the letter of the, that the Balsham sent to his brother, to Rabbi and Kitavir, in which the Balsham describes two worlds that he saw when his Neshama went up that year, Rosh Hashanah, when he had an Elias Neshama, and how the Balsham Tavakadosh, as we're going to learn inside, how the Balsham Tavakadosh saw the world above and the world below and understood that which separated between the higher world and the lower world that was revealed to him. And the Balshamta describes in the letter the Tfilas, the Tfilas, the davening, the crying, the screaming of the Jewish people that had been waiting for many, many years for a tikkun, the Nishamas that were waiting for a tikkun. And then, of course, the famous climax of the letter when the Balshamta describes the meeting that his Nishama had with Mashiach Tzakeno, when he would ask Mashiach what? When are you going to be coming? And we're going to see inside, to learn inside the response of Mashiach Tzakeinu. But before we learn that inside, we have to learn it inside with the question still in mind. So what was Taka the Chiddush of the Boshantav? What was the Chiddush? What was the Besura Taiva? What was the Besura Taiva that the Boshantav HaKadosh brought? The good news, Kivyochel, that he brought that Chassidus brought. The Besura to begin with, was this. 
And this would not sound like a Beserah Torah, and it, does, it still does not sound like a Beserah Torah to many Jews. That with all of the chashivas of learning Torah, and with all of the chashidas <coughs> of kima mitzvahs, of observing mitzvahs, the tachlis of being in this world is not limit Torah. The tachlis of being in this world is not kima mitzvahs. Limud Torah and Kima Mitzvahs are means to an end, not an end. And for many people, that is an unacceptable sentence. That Limud Torah and Kima Mitzvahs is not the Tachlis, it's connected to the Tachlis, it's the means by which we are able to come to the Tachlis. The Boshemta Vakadosh was sent into the world to reveal the ultimate truth, from the beginning of time, that will carry us into the end of time. That the ultimate, ultimate tachlis of our existence is a direct encounter with the Kaddish Baruch is a relationship with the Bari Elam, with the Creator of the world. It's to experience in your life Dveikus Basha, to have a living, breathing relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Now you have to understand, suddenly, mamish suddenly, It became known to millions of Jews that they were no longer outside. They were no longer outside, just looking into the big geniuses sitting with their pilpulim and the Bishamajish. Suddenly, Mamish and Aflish, it was revealed to the world, to the Jewish people, that every single moment of your life is filled with meaning. That you're eating, you're sleeping, you're talking, your conversations, you're dreaming, your jokes. You're greasing the wheels of your wagon. Are of messianic proportions. Are filled with deep potential, as opportunities. As an, as opportunities to have a relationship with the Borei who is there for is kulam, Everything is God. Every moment of life is a lakus. Every moment of life is a potential opportunity for that meeting to take place. Or in the words of Rabbi Nachman, every blade of grass has a song. And if a blade of grass is singing a song, then so can a Jew sing. And suddenly, and suddenly this tzibroch and a little yid who was told since he could remember that he's worthless, empty, not only is he worthless and empty, but if not for him, life would be good, and Mashiach would have come already. And that because of him, the Jewish people are suffering. Suddenly this little kid looked up, because they were always cowering. When they were outside of shul, they were cowering because of the Cossacks and the anti-Semites. And then when they came to shul, they were cowering because it was time for the, it was time for the, for the Rav, to to uh, to spew forth some more Muslim. And all of a sudden, in that place of darkness, this little Jew was able to look up and was able to hear the Balshanta say, Hisnari Hisnari mi offer kumi.
that your life is a song also. And for the first time since the Beis HaMikdash, it became possible for the Jewish people to sing again. Try to find a nigan. I've mentioned this in the past. I'm not an expert in music at all. But I've spoken to a few people who are. We don't really know nigunim. I'm saying by the Ashkenazim. The Sephardim have their tefillahs. But nigunim, we don't know nigunim from before the Balshantah. There must have been some songs. I know. What did they do when it was a Kumsitz? <laughs> like, what was a Kumsitz like in 1575? What was it like? But we don't have. It almost seems as if there were no songs before. There were piyutim, and there was nusach. But it almost seems as if there was no there were no songs. Because from the time of the Beis Hamikdash, from that time of the Beis of the Chorban, we couldn't sing. When the Baal Shantiv brought in that light of Arish Mashiach, the song of the Beis Mikdash resumed. But this time it wasn't only to be the Levium. This time it was to be also the water carriers, the Shlapas, and the Tamil Chachamim. Not only men, but women. Not only adults, but children. So let's just begin the first little sentence from the letter. And please try to hold on to the pages. L'chvayd avuvi gisi chavivi v'yididi kenafshi ulavavi. It's also the, the nusach of how the Baal Shem Tev. This is the only letter we have. Just, just the first words. L'chvayd, my beloved brother-in-law, Chavivi, v'yididi kenafshi ulavavi. My beloved friend, like my soul and my heart. Like my own soul, my own heart. Halahu harabani hamufla chosid hamufusim atarviyir. The great wondrous chosid was famous for his Torah, his Yerushamayim. K'vayd, my reino harav, Rabbi Avram Gershon, Rabbi Avon Gershon, Neri Yoyer, V'chola Shalom Shalom. V'le'ishto ha'tznuah. It's the Baal Shem Tov's sister. V'le'ishto ha'tznuah maras bluma. Im kol yedzei chalatzeha. And all of the children. Kulam yamdu ala bracha shalchaim amen selam. Another minute. Glilas yad kodsho kibalti. B'yirid lukash nas tafkir of yud. 17.50. I received, I received the letter written in your hand. Asher shalach ta'idah mashulach that you sent with the mashulach shahalach miyushalayim. Rabbi Gershon Kitaver lived at that time. He had moved already to Israel. He's buried in Eretz Israel. Asher shalach ta'idah mashulach shahalach miyushalayim esham nichta betachlis akitzer. But the letter was written betachlis akitzer. Everything was written. 
but he wrote very, very briefly. And there you wrote that you had written longer, longer uh, uh, letters that you sent by way of some mashulach that was traveling to Egypt. However, you allude to these letters that you wrote, to the longer letters that you wrote and that you sent with this mashulach. But the longer letters never reached my hands. It's Tsar Godl Hayuli. The Balshem says I had tremendous Tsar anguish. Alzer Shalai Reisi Tmunas Yodcha Kurdish. I should have to be protest that I wasn't Zoichit to see. Your holy handwriting that you wrote to me in greater detail, those letters never reached my hands. Ubavada is a Machmas Kilkal Hamadinus Bavanisan Harabim. And Obviously, the Baal Shem says it's because of all of the wars and the things that are going on, that were going on at that time. Shinnispashit Hadever, and also the Nispashit Hadever, there was terrible. Magaifa, of Dever, of pestilence, plague, and uh, that was good, that was present, Bechala Medinas. Higam Karvalis Sivya Vasena Higi Hadever. This pestilence had already reached. Close to us, Bekilas Kodesh Marilov, Medinas Valichai, Medinas Kedar. That there was a lot of plague and pestilence at the time. V'gam Shom Nema Ki Oisna Chidushim Besaid Shishakasavti Luluch Ashakasavti Lucha Aidea Soifa Haravu Mechiyach Bekilas Kodesh Polanoi Lo Yigiu Liyodcha. And in addition, the Baal Shem had tremendous Agnus Nefesh because he says that because the Baal Shem had sent a letter to Rabbi Gershon Kitavim. And again, because it was so difficult for the male to travel in those days, because of all the tsaras, it became clear that Reb Gershon Kittif had never received the Balshamtav's letter that he had sent earlier. The Balsham says, I no longer remember some of the things that I wrote to you in that earlier letter. But those details of the letter that I remember that I had written to you earlier, I'm going to write to you now, the kids are gone, in a very, very, very short way. And this little letter contains within all of the Yisaitis, all of the Yisaitis encoded in this letter, all of the Yisaitis that we're going to be talking about in Mitzvah Shem in the coming months and hopefully in the coming years, but we'll be finishing, we'll be learning these things in Mitzvah Shem, continuing with them, hopefully in Yerushalayim, Shiva, Bukhara, Amen.